you are now about to witness the awesome crushing a mind of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly never ends, never sort of kind of ends. This is version a one, a six, a one. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. It's a tough day to be a host. Most. But here I am. We got lots to talk about today. But then again, we don't have very much to talk about at all. But first, we'll let Bob Riley, Bob Riley sing us in like he has since 2007. The band is called Stigmata. The record, The Calling of the Just. And my bumper music, intro, all of nothing. Listen, listen clearly. While I get a drink of water. I'm taking a real good look at you. So being payback and for always nothing. All right, all right, all right, my friend. Yeah, let's take off uh, the music. Uh, you know, uh, I appreciate it. Um, so this is round one six one. I guess the kid is trying to sleep, so I shouldn't scream. Uh, the rest of my time will be spent in the dulcet conversational tones with which I'm delivering the intro. Yeah, she she needs to rev up before she lays down. Um, so commercials, first off, Pinko 950. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Let me, let, let me figure out where you should send the money. If you're interested in sending money, you could do it at Patreon. You could do it at patreon.com slash the stomper if you'd like. Uh, or you could send it to me at, sorry, pinko, P-I-N-K-O, 95014 at yahoo.com. And that's PayPal. I can give you Venmo or Cash App if you'd like. Uh, some of you uh, who've been sending stuff the old-fashioned way just through the mail, like Tommy LB, Tommy Pound, uh, that works too. It keeps the show going, keeps everybody happy, 
and uh, and uh, that's it with the commercials. Usually, I have something here that that uh, you might want to buy, uh, like the Stigmata CD. But there's a little, or the Fear Power God CD. Um, there's a little bit of chaos here. Now, those of you who follow me on eugenesrobinson.substack.com will see today that I put up uh, an interview, uh, another five easy pieces. Last week we had Allison Anders, the film director. This week we have Jim Goad, the uh, 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 author of Redneck Manifesto, uh, Shit Magnet, uh, used to be editor-in-chief of Answer Me Magazine, uh, Tacky's Magazine, um, and he actually, you know, is a known associate of mine, uh, a compatriot uh, for, I think, 2000 and since 2004 or five. Um, and he recently, I mean, he, he, we, we will kind of intersect and then go away, intersect and go away. And he recently came to my attention again because he took issue with um, the five easy pieces we did with Steve Albini. So this is exactly what you want. This is like you know the echoing of the echoing effects of, of of something that happens, and his attitude was when he wrote about it. And this is why I knew something that happened when all of a sudden um, I started getting all these ang- angry uh, white dudes uh, writing in complaining about Albini, and I was like, what the what happened? And so I tell Go that he goes, well, how do you know they were white? <laughs> I was like, usually the pictures. <laughs> That was a. They could have just been using random pictures. Maybe I, I don't know. But um, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, Albini used to be, you know, in the transgressive guy. Now it's, it's difficult to be transgressive. You know, he's ducking and running. So that's why he wrote. But as well, you know, let's give you a try. And the difficulty in this Substack thing, which is what I'm talking about now, yeah, the difficulty in the Substack thing, of course, is that I try not to talk to people about whatever everybody else talks to him about. And with Goad, you know, he's pretty much a culture critic. So, you know, in the realm of ideas, you have to, how do you talk to him about stuff that he's not thinking about? But it was easy because in this instance, there's a lot of stuff about his family that I I didn't know. Like uh, on one of the past shows, I told you, I have a book here about his uh, family and his brother was, um, I, I can't remember, uh, what his brother was. Maybe his brother was on the spectrum, autistic, and um, had a really horrible life. I, I don't even want to start the show talking about how horrible of a life his brother is because it's it's a bring down that'll stay with you um, well beyond the show. And uh, he, I'll give you an, I'll give you a small example. He's in a hotel room with a friend, and they're just drinking, unbeknownst to him. Um, Oh, I think his brother was deaf, I think, or had had some, something like that. And um, unbeknownst to him, the friend had decided that he wanted to commit suicide and he wanted Jim's brother to be, attend the suicide. And so he shoots himself in the head. And so people hear the gunshot and they come running, the cops come in and he's got the gun in his hand and he's trying to indicate that what happened, but these were the days before people said, hey, you know, the guy's deaf. Maybe, you know, we should have an interpreter for him. Nope. Convicted the guy, arrested him, sent him to jail, where he continued a pattern that he had started in the neighborhood where he was beaten by his father, then beaten beaten and raped by the neighborhood kids. And then, of course, when he got to prison, he was beaten and raped some more. And uh, he finally got his shit together. He got out, saved some money, said, I'm leaving America. 
and uh, he flew to uh, uh, to France, landed at Charles de Gaulle, um, and nobody heard from him again. He figured, well, he must be living a good life. No, two weeks later, they found his uh, rental car aflame, and he had clearly uh, was a victim of homicide um, pretty much the day after he landed. Um, they suspect maybe it was a cab drive. They don't know. They don't know. Um, so, uh, that's a terrible story. And that's the kind of stuff that nobody had asked Jim Goat about, even though it was out there. So I, I had to ask him about his family, his father, his mother, you know, his son. Um, and I think it's a compelling interview. If you want hot button topics of the day, race, culture, tribe, identity, it's none of that. I don't I don't really care for that. So anyway, it's a good piece. Eugenistrobinson.substack.com. It's free. You can donate money for it if you want, but you should read it. So anyway, for what some of us came here to talk about, this is the day MMA died. And you'd be singing bye bye, Miss American Pie. I drove my MMA to the Chevy. I mean, I don't know how you feel about last night. And I don't know how much of last night you engaged in. Based on the numbers of people that tweeted stuff at me as as a result of the fight, I would say very few of you actually watched the fight. And if you did watch it, you didn't watch it from beginning to end. And if you did watch it from beginning to end, you were drunk and couldn't move or incapacitated somehow, having fallen down a K-hole. You couldn't call for a roommate or do much beyond open or close your eyes. Um. I don't know what to tell you. I I, I, I I really don't know what to tell you. We recorded um, uh, a Care Don't Care Sunday. So we recorded at nine o'clock this morning. And, you know, Steph uh, Haynes is as good of a cheerleader as you're ever going to find. But it was really hard to cheerlead your way. And then finally she ended up saying, you know, she ended up saying, well, yeah, I guess it was kind of a slog. Yeah, it was. It was. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you go to a restaurant. Who was that guy who used to get all outraged when I would eat on the show? Yeah, well, you know, I decided to try to hydrate myself. I hated drinking. I hated drinking water. Um, because, uh, you know, the more you drink, the more you pee, it interrupts my flow. If I'm writing, I want to continue writing. So I just stopped drinking, which I think contributes to my, my medical issues, whatever. I stood on a scale yesterday with it fully clothed with my wallet, my pocket and my keys and my phone. And I got the scariest news ever. The scale said 211. That's fully dressed with all. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it, man. Water sucks. Um, and it's not New York State water, which has got the best water in the country, some of the best water in the country. But it's just the idea of it, man. It's wearisome. Oh, I got it. I drank four freaking glasses. Now I got to piss four times. Hey. Um, but uh, uh, but I got to do it. And I went, I ran, I ran today, went over to the track, did some sprints. Came back, did some uh, weight vested uh, rec bag squats. So, eighty four degrees in California. I figure I maybe should drink a little water. 
I, I usually look at my fingertips for the tear. I'll look at my fingertips and it's an indication maybe I need to drink more water. So, so anyway, um, you know, this is, this is one of those things where you might try and try and try to convince yourself that this is, um, that this was somehow, that things were okay. Like, I don't know, have you ever, have you ever seen somebody in the middle of a grift? Like um, when they are the victim of a, of a, a con man, a bunco artist. I remember going to uh, Festival of San Gennaro. Um, any of you New Yorkers know what I'm talking about, down in Little Italy, right? Nobody who's who knows anything about anything goes to the Festival of San Gennaro, you know, with any any cash in their pocket, right? You just go, you get a cannoli, you walk around, you look at stuff, and that's that's the last time that wallet comes out for that overpriced cannoli. But I go with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, we had an argument about something. That, you know, I don't. It was her birthday. I decided to uh, that she should come back, meet my mother. We were gonna hang out um, in New York on her birthday. And it was a, pre- a pretty like magical kind of cool night, right? Like we step out at the train station at Union Square and uh, um, right then a cab or a car is driving by blasting the sugar cubes, uh, it's your birthday, right as we step out. And it's like a beautiful New York night, really nice. But somehow between 14th Street and Little Italy, an argument ensues. So by the time we get to, we get to the Festival of San Gennaro, um, we are we are pissed. And this is this is a girlfriend who had a, a super special skill. She had the world's worst periods, and, and c- c- combined with that, it was like the uh, the worst uh, PMS. And she used to go out with uh, uh, my roommate at the time, who was the most soft. So yeah, let's not get caught up on that, okay? He was the most soft-spoken guy ever. And one day, I heard screaming from from um, uh, from from uh, from uh, from back where he lived, where his, his he lived in the garage, so outside the garage, it was so so rabid. Like I didn't even understand who was screaming. I, I'd never heard his voice like that. And I hear a door slam, and she and some guy that she showed up with, but <laughs> what's his problem? And they took off. I go, oh man, they finally pushed Paul over the edge. Well. Subsequently, ended up she ended up being my girlfriend, which is a long, drawn-out story. We're not going to get into. And you know, I finally sort of understood where how Paul got there. So anyway, we're doing this silent, like uh, Walter Matthau. I hope you're happy. You know, we had an argument with his wife right before they got to Auschwitz. You ruined Auschwitz for me. Okay, so we're going to the festival of San Gennaro, and I, I'm thinking, like, man, I got to do something to turn this around. I, I got to somehow do something to turn this around. And uh, some guys was, hey, you know, you want to play your little thing and you get your bear? And I was like, yeah, that's what she needs, a little plushy, right? Maybe put some effort in it, you know, a little bit. And uh, so I stand there. I said, hey, you want to play? She goes, I don't care. Great. All right. You know, I'll play. So I open my wallet. I say, how much? The guy goes, four plays, uh, four plays, $5 a play, which right away, you know, is a scam. Like any New Yorker, you know, it's a scam. Four plays, five dollars a play. Because now the guy's got me doing math, right? He's got anybody doing the math. It's like all it was the same tone and timbre of find the red, find the red. I give him five, five, but find the red, find the red, find the red. Give the red five, five, five plays. We do four, four, four. You get a twenty, get a six, twenty. I get five, 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 four plays, five, five, five. You win yourself a bet. You guys going on. 
But the grift has already started. It started when he saw us, right? And now I know I'm being grifted, but I like I, I want to see it play out. I want to see it play out. And everything on the road to it is grift. So the guy's like, he's making, where, where you're from? You think it's happy chatter. It's not happy chatter. This is info gathering. Where you from? Well, I'm from New York, but I live in California now. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's see how much New York you remember. He's thinking to himself, he goes, what do you do for a living? What do you do? And right then I should have said, I'm a cop. That's the only answer that was going to keep my money safe. Cop. But I didn't think, so now I'm a journalist. That I might as well have punched myself in the face right then and thrown all my money in the air. That's what I should have done at that point. So uh, the guy, uh, he goes, oh, journalist, huh? So I play it, you know, shoot the target, and I win. Of course, he's controlling it. He's controlling it with a foot pedal. You notice, I win. And the guy gives me uh, a plushy bear about that big. And I get ready to take another shot. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, what do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing? He goes, you said five plays for four. You said four plays for five dollars. He goes, no, you already won. No, I said, I get to go again. He goes, no, you already won. I go, okay, well, if I only went once, it's five plays, four dollars. Give me my $15. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, you don't, you play. So anybody got better? I was like, okay. Okay. Black guy, not a cop, Little Italy, Festival of San Gennaro. You just, I wanted to see it play out. $20 plushy toy that she didn't give a shit about, wouldn't carry. And I'm stuck with this fucking thing, carrying this thing through the streets in New York. Fucking $2 plushie that cost me 20 bucks. Boy, I don't know. Tell you, fuckers. Yeah, exactly. The worst thing I could do is like defame him on the internet. You guys would give a shit about that. So there's something about the grift that you, you, you know, that somehow, you know, I mean, the way I looked at it at that point was I want to see how they're going to rob me. It's $20 to see some stuff that you never, from the carny that works this festival. And I think largely last night, I ended up feeling kind of the same way. Quote Denny Green, it was what we thought it was. You know? Yep. It, it was what we thought it was. And if you think this was aided and abetted, it's all part of a piece. The music, the ambiance, the air, the food, the drink, the company, it's all part of the same thing. All part of the same fucking thing. I'm not distinguishing between Logan Paul and Ben Askren and uh, and Robert Whitaker and uh, uh, Kelvin Gastelum. I'm not making any different. I'm not differentiating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck it, man. And as a, as a new, look, there was a time when I went to New York and playing lands at JFK, there's always somebody screaming on the sidewalk at the top of their lungs. Like right away, I'm home. Like I'm, people are looking at cabs. Well, get the fuck. I'm taking the subway in. Now we're going to pay for that. At one point, though, I knew I'd become a tourist and I was just so happy to be there. And I'm sitting on the train, you know, going through Queens, heading over to Brooklyn. I'm sitting there. I'm just like smiling, you know. And some woman sees me and she's like, I don't, she was just happy that I was happy. And I look at her and I'm like, yeah, it's like, ah, man, I'm back. Of course, you know, 
I didn't have my subway face on, which marked me as a mark, but I was glad that somebody like a New Yorker could appreciate something that was going on in my head before I had to put on the, you know, the, the ice grill. So last night, uh, um, I mean, I had three, let's, let's be honest, going into the fight, I had three cares on the card, a three. One of those cares was shit canned because, oh, hey, you want to know what textbook definition dark star? Jeremy Stevens. Oh, man. Hey, ain't you Snake, Snake Plissken? I thought you was dead. Jeremy Stevens. Who the fuck is that? Says McAnal. Jeremy Stevens. The guy's been on ice. He said, was it surgery or some, somehow? He's been sitting out for a long time. Okay, he's going he's gonna to fight Dracar Noir, what I call him, or Dracar Close. Uh, um, well, okay, that was my first care. I didn't care about the other fights on the card. Steph tried to draw me in. I wouldn't be drawn in. I didn't care about the other fights on the card. I'm care, don't care. That comes out uh, tomorrow at noon. I usually retweet it. So if you follow me, I'm at Eugene S. Robinson. You can see it rather than hunt for it. And what happens? Jeremy Stevens goes from Dark Star to Abraham and Strauss. Always something at the weigh-in, and the and got and I have I don't have sources now that confirm this beyond a, a shadow of a doubt. So I'm not going to pass this along as fully received, 100%. You know, truthful. Um, but my understanding is that when they met. After the weigh-ins, uh, um, that what Close said to Stevens that set him off is, where's your fucking mask? So this is political. So he shoves a badly depleted uh, Drakkar Close with all of his fucking might, and guess what? The guy gets a fucking pre-fight concussion, has to cancel the bout. So Jeremy Stevens... A guy who hasn't fought in like 19 months. That's over a year. A year is 12 months. It's almost two years. Shit cans his whole show because of stupidity. Stupidity. And if you think you're going to see him again anytime soon, you're wrong. Yeah, you know, the thing is, if you're wound that tightly, that that asking somebody, being asked where your mask is, is going to set you off to to that kind of response. You need to you, you need you need you need to be seeing a therapist, and that the therapist is not Herb Dean. You need to go someplace, right? I mean, you you, you do. You need to. Oh, great! I have more water. You need to go someplace. Because look at look at what's happened. Not only is a streaking fucking Drakkar uh, close, and if you think concussions and whiplash are fucking bullshit, some kid in an F one fifty at at about thirty five miles an hour plowed into uh, what the, was I driving then? Some shitty Toyota, um, um, <laughs> you know, and plowed into it. And uh, I, I'm never sure. If, okay, somebody's gonna rear end me. Do I take the brakes off? Uh, so that the force travels through the vehicle, or do I put the brakes on? Well, yeah, I can never remember. I put the brakes on, 
And so the force that moved through the vehicle snapped my neck. This was like eight years ago. And I tell you to truth, that's as far back as I can bend my head. That's as far back. Like I know some people can actually, if I want to look at something, so be look at something on the ceiling, I got to go like that. Turn my head. I, so if you think whiplash is bullshit, I used to think it was bullshit. It's not bullshit. There are lots of things I used to think of bullshit that are not bullshit. I used to think constipation was bullshit and it's not bullshit. You know, you people started talking to me about torn anuses, you know, six months ago, I'd have laughed them out of the room. Not anymore. I didn't sleep. I slept about an hour last night. Let's not get into that. The point is, Jeremy Stevens shit-canned his first appearance in 19 months against the streaking Jack R. Close, who he's probably going to get beaten by anyway for an uncertain future, zero payday Saturday night, and, and nothing but a completely frustrating, you know, three seconds. Guy was depleted. Uh, you, you, think, you think that Sean Shelby, also known as Keith, is going to say, eh, we feel pretty bad for you. What a freak accident. He was there. They had to prop up Dracard to, 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 to finish it. So come on, man. Come on. Come on. Okay, if a guy kisses you like that, we've seen a couple of fighters or a couple of women, people get once you, like my, my Russian friend said, people can say whatever they want to me. Once they put their hands on me, then I gotta go nuts. You know. But as somebody kisses you, technically that's assault. You can defend yourself, yeah, wh- whatever. I mean, you look at the John Johnny uh, Johnny Boni Joni and, and Daniel Cormier. I think I think uh I think Cormier touched him first. Keep your hands to yourself. Would you, the advice that your mother gave when you were a child was good enough for then and it's good enough for now. Don't touch. Oh, man. Hey, get, hey this week I get my second second vaccine. Let's hope I make it to next Sunday. Uh-huh. So anyway, so that fight's out. That's out. So the second fight that, that I, 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 I gave a shit about uh, was somebody on the card Whose, whose name I don't even remember, and and whose fight I didn't watch, and I was talked into it by uh, by Steph. Sometimes she does that. It was probably a, a grappler. I think it was the guy who beat the other guy with uh, uh, guillotine, not Hassan, who uh, lost uh, to an Australian fighter who clearly said, all I have to do is wrestle this guy and I'll win. And so Hassan is like, that's four in a row, but you've been sukajude. If they cut you, you'll know what it feels like. Wasted potential. They should have. You should have asked for a banger. Give me a, a striker. I'm not so strong on the grappling thing right now, sir. Give me another striker. That'd be great. But he took the fight and he lost the fight. Yep. Ass meet Matt. So let's go straight to uh, so, you know. And unexpectedly, the one bright spot I refused. I thought it was going to give me the sads was Chase Sherman and Andre Olovsky. And I have to tell you, I happened to be watching that fight and I felt the exact opposite. One, because Olovsky uh, won and Chase Sherman is like looking all outraged afterward. It was like, listen, offensive lineman. (laughs) Yeah, that was the only bright spot on the card. And the offensive lineman is all pissed off. Like, who you stand there trying to do some kabuki theater in the center of the cage? Like, why'd you come and fight me? Be a man and fight, you know. Man, because I'm scoring on your ass every time. Why do what do you mean? This is 
We come and fight you. I am fighting you. I am winning the fight. You know, there was a guy who was the head of the NFL uh, Players Association that I had worked with back when I was doing a men's fashion magazine, right? So we're talking the late 90s. He's like, yeah, you're in this MMA stuff. I mean, this is when I was fighting, you know, these smokers, MMA smokers. I was like, yeah. And I could see this football, former football player. He's like looking at me thinking, hmm, I bet I could take him. And uh, I had started to come down from my heavy weight of 265. I was probably about 245. And this guy was about 280. Nice guy. We any all of our meetings together. We we're both wearing suits, but I could see he's like, "Oh, maybe where are you training here? Like, maybe I'll come by. Go Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu. You know, we'll talk to Marcus Vinicius. You're welcome to come by. I'll never duck a chance. Come by. You know these these other other sports guys, OSGs, and it's like it's it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Ah, it's Pat Carroll. Hey, Pat. So um, so uh, I could tell the guy I want to. So Chase Sherman is there gesticulating, trying to wave him on while Arlovsky is like scoring on his ass. It was, it was, it was, I expected to be sad. And I, I, I was unexpectedly cheered. I mean, uh, one, because the it's, it's like, it's like uh, the Arlovsky that I saw was an actual guy who was like, all right, you know what it is? It's like a guy who's not wearing bell bottoms. That's all. It's a guy who's not wearing bell bottoms. You know, there was a time where you could be a guy wearing bell bottoms. No, no, we don't want to see. We don't want to see Arlovsky do that. That that's a strict strict ticket straight through uh, to the to the LB to the Lost Battalion. We don't need to see him doing that. He's like. I'm booking fights. It's my fourth fight this year. I'm socking away money. This is my 401k. As long as I can keep my eyes on straight, then I'm fine. We don't need to see Holovsky doing the belt thing. Nah, nah. But you know what this is, and I think I think a couple of things are happening here. I think the bald one, uh, I think the bald one likes him. And you see how they, as long as if you you are liked, you will get. He's become. He's become not an executive level gatekeeper. He's the he's the basement gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. So if you got guys who are like ranked ten to twenty, and they're making noises about wanting to get in the top ten, I've been in the cellar too long. How long are you gonna keep me in the cellar? God damn it! How why am I gonna be in the cellar? And you say, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You want to get out of the cellar. You talk to Mr. Olovsky out there, maybe he'll let you out of the cellar. I mean, make no mistake, Chase Sherman wasn't going to be fighting Francis Ngannou, Derek, the Black Beast. Nobody in your crazy imagination ever saw that fight happening. Nobody. Nobody. But, uh, you know, so he's, so Olovsky's got a, a niche. And as long as he doesn't embarrass himself or make you feel bad about it, yeah, I'm going to get to that in a second. As long as he doesn't make you, make you feel bad about it, you're okay. Once Arlovsky starts looking at 42, and I'm not talking about the the, 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 the jet black, no other black, there's no black, black under nature, whatever hair dye he's using that makes the lower half of his body disappear into the cosmos, the lower half of his face disappear into the cosmos. Um, 
whatever. But that fight made me happy. But you know what that's like? That's like, you know, you go to a restaurant and the, the waiter says, hey, you know, the appetizer, I was a little bit late with it on the house. That's the kind of happy I was. That's it. I wasn't like happy, like, okay, okay, the shitty drinks, the shitty first course, the shitty meal, the shitty dessert, the ex- overpriced the bill. But the way of it, you know, he gave me this, and I'm like, yeah, that's okay. That's, that's, that's nice. I don't have to pay for the shitty appetizer. That's nice. But when we get to where we get to the last fight, we get to the last fight. <sighs> you know, I like Bobby Knuckles. I like Robert Whitaker, but um, everybody's talking. They're doing that visionary thing, which just drives me crazy. And by which I mean they're seeing stuff that's not there. You know, there was not a single point at which I thought Kelvin that I could turn away and I could not have understood. You know what I mean when I'm talking about fights. So there was not a single point during that fight where. I would have been surprised to hear, oh, and he's down. Like, Kelvin was in that fight to the very end. And I've liked both these guys before. But what's gone on Bobby Knuckles that's never coming back is his head. And I think Izzy has got that, he's got that Johnny Boney, Joni uh, uh, mojo. Like, these guys, these guys, People talk about, oh, but Jones is a bum, how close he got to Gustafson. But one thing he brought up, and I was like, had a Columbo moment when he brought it up, like, oh, how do I not see that? Was Jones himself said, um, hey, you ever notice how the people who fight me are never the same after they fight me? Jesus. Jesus, 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 he's right. I can list off the names. I could Anthony Smith, the Gustafson, the Mauler, uh, Reyes. I could, you know, the the the, the Hammercat. The, the Hammer. These guys have never been. And yeah, sure, it's probably equal amounts of man. This is the big show. I could end up. I'm I'm so close to the brass ring. I could just get my hand in the ring and the excitement and enthusiasm. Like I just, I could almost. I could taste the victory and, you know, the kind of adrenaline rush that you get, the, just the pump from being there. But that's not 60%. That's about 40%. Those lateral sidekicks, whatever. And then at the end of the fight, that God force, just, you know, the light, it's cl- the clouds clear. Bing. Guess what, Kane? I don't give a shit about your offering. Go fuck yourself. Now, Abel, I like that guy. And he's standing with his hand raised and he's got the belt around. And those guys are never the same again. If it was one person, I'd say, ah, okay. Oh, whatever. Maybe, maybe not. Two people, I go, ah, coinkadink. It's not, doesn't mean anything. Three people, I said, okay, maybe five people. 
Now, what we remember from those fights is that Jones wasn't as impressive as when he was crumpling Machida or, you know, taking out Shogun Hua. But what he did, he did to their heads. There's a great thing about a, a rookie that Michael Jordan said, hey, I want you to stay after practice. Well, or maybe he said, meet me tomorrow or something. This is you. We'll have a one-on-one. And this guy was, you know, cocky, rookie. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm in the club now. MJ wants to hang with me. And he shows up, and MJ was like, spotted him a bunch of points and destroyed him. Destroyed him. Guy was never the same after that. It's a fucking game with a ball and a, and a, and a rim and a net. Took everything he was and reduced it to ash. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what, what portion of the head game leaves people worse off than when they came, but that's what's happened. And that's what happened with, with Izzy. I mean, it's pretty clear based on what happened with Blahowitz that you should do what that Australian cat did to Hassan and wrestle mug, wrestle mug, wrestle mug. But Izzy's got that same Chuck Liddell thing. He's like, you could try to weather a shot in the hopes that you lock up with a double or a single before I sting you, but I got the precision, I got the speed, I got the power that argues against that in this division. So if I were Bobby Knuckles, if I was Robert Whitaker right now, what I say is, you know what, I'll fight Costa and I'll fight Vittori. And, you know, I need to spend, because it's money. What is that old World War II thing? Let's let's not call it by its name. Because he fights Izzy and loses a second time. There's no trilogy. There's nothing. Except to take your shit and turn around and face three, four, five and go, what about it, fellas? And at that point, those guys can stonewall you all, all they want. Yeah, I'm, wait, I'm really waiting for a title shot. Why should I fight the number two guy? He's got nothing for me. So then, then the guy, hey, guys, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. this could be a step up for you. So, yeah, I'm making pretty good progress. And if I'm number eight, I think I could probably beat guys who are five, six, and seven. But two, I need to wait on that. And you become like, uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Aeschylus. Was it Aeschylus? Looking for one honest man, the guy with his lantern walking around. This is you. This is, this is the Robert Whitaker of the future. There's nothing I saw that he did that showed me that his head's in a good place. Nothing. Nothing. Gastelum is another kind of bottom, bottom of the stair, staircase gatekeeper, and there was nothing. He was doing a, a who's the clay, the Guida carpenter between the rounds and refusing to sit down, bouncing on his feet. I expected something devastating. Didn't get it. So what do I do? The night is young. Maybe I should wander over, see the boxing. Well, I'm not going to pay $70 for it. My man, AC from Crime Faces, I was one of the first people nationally to break with the story of Crime Faces, who, Hado Laranja is the one who turned me on to Crime Faces originally, so give credit where credit is due. Um, uh, and it went to New York, interviewed dude face-to-face. 
Um, and then he was uh, not only in uh, Eddie Huang's new movie, um, Bougie, um, or Boogie. Um, I think it's Boogie, not Bougie. <laughs> I made an honest mistake. Uh, and he should put me in the movie because if you go to my LinkedIn page, you can see that I used the thing where I was interviewing him at Ozzy Fest. It's like, bro, come on, come on. I'm out here. I got a screen actor union card. You're not going to help me. But AC from Crime Faces was in that movie. And then he was doing color commentating for this thriller, uh, thriller thing. Sorry, not thriller, thriller which was the, lo- the people putting on, the, the organization putting on Oscar De La Hoya's thing, which you're putting on and with Snoop and then this, this uh, Logan Paul, Ben Askren fight. And we all knew, um, we all knew that, uh, we all knew that Askren was not the guy, right? If you watched him from when, when Bjorn Rebney was, Bellator, this guy has never thrown a punch, has done any single damage at, at all, ever. I mean, it was not like even for a second. It wasn't like it was not even for a second. After what the Nate Robinson, Nate again, another sports guy, OSG. Nate Robinson was like, "Oh, I could take it," and I was just like, "Hey, man, just because you are a Negro with fist doesn't mean you can fucking box, bro." So the good news is the AC got to do some color commentary. The bad news is um, that, uh, of course, you couldn't hear any of AC because Snoop was screaming all over it. But, you know, that AC actually got to work, got flown out to Vegas, got the color commentary gig. I mean, who knows what's going to ha- happen with Trilla. And if somebody, you know, it reminds me of Cuba Gooding Jr. was doing um, some New Year's Eve show. And he was with James Brown, not the singer, the football commentator. And he was just a little too animated, if you know what I mean. Clearly, like, you know, the thing is that makes, that somebody once said about drugs, they said, you know, drugs make you paranoid in a certain kind of way where you think everybody knows you're high, but nobody knows you're high. Whereas drunks think that nobody knows they're drunk, but everybody knows you're drunk, right? I mean, I remember, I remember at one point I was in Berlin and everybody was looking at me strangely. And, and I had that little voice in my head that was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> and the words coming out of my mouth were something along the lines of nobody tells a Navy man what a Navy man already knows. And the operator of my machine at that point says, fuck this Eugene, shut it down, bro. You got eight people staring at you like you're speaking fucking Mandarin. Shut it down. And I was like, I don't know that I shut it down, which is exactly what I did. Next day, everybody was looking at me like, hey, you're, I was like, hey, yeah, I think I made a little mistake. Had a little, Jaeger is a very powerful drug, uh, alcohol, you know, uh, but there's certain drugs that you know that people, when they take it, because nobody's that animated or enthusiastic or excited about anything, unless they've consumed the most dangerous, dangerous recreational drug 
in the world. Sorry, I think it's got more depth attached to it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me uh, Rick James is, is, is oh, Rick James didn't die from Coke. Oh, really? See, you're thinking about Coke, cocaine, the way a normal person thinks about cocaine. Like maybe you know, a couple of years ago, give a toot. A couple of years ago, give a toot. You got to realize when you are a celebrity, you have time and access. These people who are celebrities who are doing coke are doing coke like like you don't like you don't know. And of course, if you're dealing with an addict, I mean, a friend of mine went went on a buy with another friend they buy it so if you sit in the car i'll go get it he doesn't like strangers whatever goes up comes back split the proceeds they drive their separate ways by the time my friend gets home the friend that he split the proceeds with is calling him saying hey you still got yours you want to come hang out it took seven minutes to get from where my friend was to where he was going. By the time he gets to where he was going, the other cat had consumed everything. And your heart is doing, look, so don't don't tell me, the most dangerous recreational drug, Oscar de la Hoya, who knows? That was a car wreck. And then people are trying to say, oh, it was a dive and using the post-fight footage of, of Askren walking away with his wife, feeling pretty happy. I'd be happy if I were him. <laughs> Did I see a post of you screaming the movie 12 Monkeys? I wasn't in 12 Monkeys. <laughs> that would be nice. That would have been a nice bit of change. I was in, uh, I don't like the looks of this here. Uh, with this ring light in the window, people can see me. Yeah, fortunately I am armed, but I don't need the dude to be, anyway, I'm getting distracted. So, um, uh, um, it would have been a nice movie to be in. I was in Leonard Part Six, completely different movie with Bill Cosby, not Brad Pitt. I did. I was on. Well, I was on a movie poster for a, a New York hardcore a Drew Stones movie. How the photograph taken by Phil and Flash, who used to be the brother, still is the brother, I guess, of uh, uh, Springer, who used to sing for SSD. Uh, it was a, a show they played where I'm riding. I've, it's been used a bunch, riding above the crowd with my fist in the air, and that's what they use for the cover of the movie. But uh, I need to. I'll go check it out. I'll go check it out. You know, I mean, I was sitting there watching Oliver Stone's movie U-Turn, and I swear to God, they used some Oxbow music in it, but they cut it before my voice came in, and I, I had no success actually getting. Uh, getting my guitar player to listen to the music and identifying it as, as his. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did a piece, Derek Galanis, MMA guy who uh, trained out of Vegas with uh, John Wood. And it wrote a piece for me on Ozzy about Hunter Biden. And, you know, there was so much, you know, back and forth over this cat and what he did. You know, it sounded so, like so much propaganda, but uh, he, go to Ozzy, OZY.com, and type in uh, Hunter Biden, Derek Galanis, D-E-R-E-K, first word, G-A-L-A-N-I-S, second name. 
And he does a pretty uh, compelling take. And he's like, you know what the mafia is? Mafia, what do you think? You know, I can go into any liquor store and buy whiskey. I don't need the mafia for whiskey. Whiskey is for preying on the unsuspecting offspring of people with too much money. It's bunko. It's 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 uh, con man games. It's the Jamaican stroll. It's uh, the sting. It's all stuff about separating, you know, financial fraud, Bernie Madoff shit about separating. You know, I didn't lose your money. Your money lost you. So, um, uh, um, yeah, yeah, please, thank you. Send it to me on Instagram. So, um, so this this fight, we all knew that 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 Ben Askren wasn't the guy, but we, since he's retired from MMA, we've gotten out of this desire to see him. You know, like uh, Evander Holyfield once said to me before the fight book, he goes, you know, you don't care whether they shit on the ground, you get. Dig a hole, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. I don't care what what Ben Askren does or what he thinks about. And so when he somehow, when all the hubbub of you know Jake Paul's calling out Connor Connor McAno and he's calling out this and the Diaz brothers, and somehow the name that emerges through the mist is Ben Askren, I was like, okay, okay. And then there was this. We what about this? We'll raise if you guys get a you fund me together. For just in the middle of the fight, I take him down and, and pummel him. Like nobody believes in MMA that that Jake Paul. Look, oh my God! Can you believe I'm spending time of my life talking about a guy whose claim to fame is YouTube? This is a shameful fucking day for boxing, for MMA. Combat sports. Shameful. Absolutely. I'm disgusted. You know, I mean, uh, I, I didn't expect to, to agree on much with Pete Davidson, but he did something on TikTok where he's backstage at the fight just saying, this is total bullshit. Total bullshit. I don't, I, I mean, and it's like, oh, don't hate Eugene. Don't hate, you know, the guy is, uh, you know, he's, you know, you, you got 500 people who like your show. These guys, man, I don't, you know what? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care, man. I don't care. You know, boxing has a story tradition in this country. It was one of the top three, like I say in the fight book, it was one of the top three most popular sporting events in the world back in the 40s. The, the biggest, you know, and systematically destroyed. Everything about that was wrong. You know what a hasa is, Frank? It's a pig that don't fly straight. But this is what people want to see. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? And at this point now, if I'm Paul, you know, I'm going to pick up. I, I went to Vegas with a friend of mine. And he's like, hey, did you get the hotel? Whether or not, whether or not, whether or not Askren took a dive is immaterial. I don't think he did, 
but he's a tough enough guy where he's like, yeah, let the shit get through. It's boxing. They give you the standing 10 count. I'll be fine. Standing 8 count, I'll be fine. Whatever. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll get my head about me. What is he giving you? He said this was the biggest payday he's ever had. Chew on that for a second. I don't fault him. And that's why for me it's immaterial whether it was a dive or not. You step up to the table at San Gennaro with a $20 bill in your, visible $20 bill in your hand, you might as well just throw yourself on the ground and throw that money in the air. Exactly right. Exactly right. And he and now he's making the right mouth noises about, uh, you know, uh, I let myself down. I let MMA down. I'm like... You know what? You know what should have gone with that 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 press release or that tweet or that Twitter or whatever it was. I I read it. I read that he wrote it. He should have also added an emoji. How come nobody's invented this emoji with the the hand making the jerk off sign? And now and now MMA fighters are lining up to. They're going to rescue the spirit of MMA. And the last guys who should be in there who want to get the, a red panty night of their own going because they could use an infusion of half a million dollars in cash are fighters who are not grapplers. I mean, fighters who are not boxers who are grapplers. Stop it. Exactly. Exactly, man. It's like the, the Sex Pistols said the last show. I have a feeling like you've been shitting. Like when I lost that, like I know it's a grift. And then somehow seeing the grift in action was much less satisfying than like what was it used to say down south when I go down for the summers. Let's not say we did. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, honest to God, I don't know what to tell you. And of course, the bald one is as, as dirty and as guilty of this, you know, at this point now, I'm spinning 360 degrees, and I'm blame. There was a, a gangster, a Chinese gangster, uh, back in Chinatown in New York, and um, he was feared. I can cannot remember his name, but what um, he was shooting the town up, and this is like back in the 40s, I think, uh, 40s and the 50s, tongs and triads and all that stuff, and he had this technique that he was always armed with two pistols. And when he'd start shooting, he would drop to one knee and just start shooting like like a human Gatling gun, just shoot in a circle. The reality of it was, though, the guy had terrible vision. So he knew the likelihood of lining up a shot was immaterial. He's not going to do it. So he just starts he just starts spinning, you know, spinning with the guns. And that became that became his earmark. Yeah. I mean, was that his name? The machine gun? Johnny? I, I don't I don't remember. Um. But that's what I'm doing. It, there's, there's enough blame. The bald one, Askren said this was the biggest payday. You expect a bump up from Bellator to the UFSI. Nope. This was the biggest payday. Ben Askren owes nobody nothing. If I were him, I would have run out headfirst into the turnbuckle, dropped and said, give me my money. And now BJ Penn is making noises. BJ, this is the last thing anybody needs. 
you know, and Paul has no interest at all in fighting somebody who's going to beat him because he walked away with significantly more. I'm going to tweet out. I'm just going to tweet it out right now. I'm going to tweet it out right now. I've been saving this thing. If you follow me on Twitter, you, you'll get it in a, in a few seconds. Um, yeah. It says, yeah, your tweet was sent. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. The bald one is to blame. The, 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 I, 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 people who paid, I'll just show people who don't, who don't follow me on. That's what I sent out. If I'm Paul, I can't, I'll do this every, like, like Tito once said to Ken Shamrock, I'll fight you once a week if you want. Stop it, man. Stop, you know. Uh, but who, half a mil, I'd be in there. Remember, I'm the guy who had a fight booked in, Amazon, in Manaus with Francisco Chico Bueno. And they went from $5,000 to $2,000, from $2,000 to $500, from $500 to you pay your own airfare and, and your hotel and no cash. And I almost took it. That's right. The announcer got his name wrong. I mean, this was like colossal. And everybody was talking about it. So Johnny Two Gun, I just everybody needs to get shot for this. The bald one, the audience, they want, but I'm happy for my man AC. I like to see that's the spot. If you get a little bit away from Snoop and maybe turn Snoop's mic down a little bit, I'm just saying. I I don't I don't know what to tell you. And we did a care don't care where we uh, we talked about the fight next week, which is Usman and George Masvidal two. Oh yeah, uh, for someone thinking about going into it, yeah. Uh, think in terms of decades, honest to God, think in terms of decades. And if you think you're going to get away with it, like you used to do when you exercise, like when I used to do bullshit karate and I was competing in karate, I, uh, I, I would go twice a week, three times a week. Cain Velasquez helped me. He said, the reality is the more you do it, the better you get. If you're not going, uh, six days a week, you're wasting your time. So like Johnny Two Guns, I'm spinning around everybody. This is like murder on the Orient Express. Everybody killed it. Everybody killed it. Everybody. We all did. I mean, let's go back to we all did. 690,000. Do you realize, do you realize six years ago, this guy was like, this guy it was a, <laughs> I, I want to say something unkind, but don't hate the player. You know, there was a time when I was offering to fight Herschel Walker with not nearly a million followers. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. And I, I, don't, I can't even, in, on, honest to God, in, in good conscience, I can't even tell you to avoid it. 
I guess like I can't even say you're part of the problem. You wouldn't have been the sport wouldn't have been shot dead without your participation. It's like pre-made mobile, mobile. You know, we're stuck. This is a machine, a perpetual action motion machine, and we're stuck and we're never gonna get out. Is this guy as significant as as Jean-Paul Sartre? Nope. And it's real easy for me to turn out pop culture. I, you know, I don't, there's half these names that the kid Nate is, uh, yeah, you know, um, oh, if you, hey man, if you play a tablet, you can yeah, yeah. go to a place that does both gi and no gi though. That's my preference. Do, do both and figure out. And then maybe when you're four or five years in, you can figure out what you prefer. You can maybe specialize, but I, that's what I would do and work on cardio and flexibility. And that's Dr. Heal myself. I should take my own advice on the flexibility thing. But it is what it is. It is what it is. And if, and if there had been anything else more exciting to look at, we would have looked at it. And there wasn't, so we didn't. Yep. I mean... The only thing that's going to shake me out of this torpor is if is if the Baldwin actually really books the the, the uh, Johnny Bonijoni Francis Agano fight. I would be excited about that. But this George Masvidal and Usman thing next weekend—Are you kidding me? This is the height of insignificance. This is the height of insignificance. George Masvidal was a friend of Knuckle Up back when he was nobody. He came on my show, was uh, uh, was a was a great great guest, you know. And you got to understand Floridian Cubans, you know, with this whole thing with the Castro and you know and their republicanism. I don't want to get on them for that. I don't do that with people who have taken time out of their schedule to participate in my in my grift. But this is an insignificant fight, pointless. You ever see somebody do something humiliating for cash? Like you would have to go back to the guys who did bum fights. If you remember that 20-year-old little bit of darkness, these people go into homeless communities and pay. So I'll give you $10 to fight him. And and I had a friend who actually did that, had a bachelor party. But um, he said he didn't want... He, he put together a bachelor party for his friend and he didn't want high-priced prostitutes. He went through the, the Tenderloin in San Francisco and got like street walkers, you know, $50, like, you know, drug addled street prostitutes who showed up and um, then, you know, went through all of the, the, the typical bachelor party miseries and the guy is telling me like this telling me the story because he's thinking i'm going to be excited about it or somehow interested and then at the end they say okay well great give us some money you know you put cucumbers up our asses whatever give us the money now and um he said well uh here and they said it's only fifty dollars that's not what you promised us I said well that's all you're gonna get okay well great this is mine where's hers no it's fifty dollars for the both to use 
so they tricked these, they grifted these these poor women into uh, you know uh, 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 going in there. And then he said, "Well, and tell you what, you guys have to fight over it. I give you twenty five apiece, or the winner takes fifty. And so these two women fought over it, and the guys tell me this story, and I'm like, "You guys are fucking pieces of shit." He's like, "What do you get? What do you get so excited for? What do you get so moved? You know." Uh, fuck you, bro. Fuck. You. I, I, as a guy in a band, I'm always going to identify with the person on the stage. A guy in a band not only identifies with the person on the stage, I got four sisters and four daughters. You guys took advantage because you could? Fuck you. And I pretty much did talk to the guy again for a long time after that, man. That's, that was shitty. But that's where we are now. So I think Zach's take is all right. I'll watch the fights, but I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't put money into these guys' pockets, man. They're making decisions that are counter the health of the sport, the health of the athletes, and then fundamentally treating me like uh, I'm a dumbass. And it's okay if I want to give you that 20 because I want to watch the grift, but week after week, stop it. Yeah, bum fights, depressing. I never understood people using the word exploitative or exploitive, exploitative. I could spell it for you. Mr. Marcus told me, yeah, they knew what the job was when they took it. I never understood that word until I watch people do shit that they really hated for money because they had no other options. Ugh. Ugh. And what you need to redeem yourself from what we just saw, the bald one will never make happen ever. So I'd like to end on not such a downer note, but that's impossible. At least Monday, you have a care, don't care, where there's some sort of small enthusiasm. I think on a 14-fight card, I have seven cares. So we're at 500. We're just treading water. I don't, I don't give a shit about my name. Anybody who listens to this show for any period of time knows that. I never wanted sons. I come from a long line of men who have had dysfunctional relationships with their fathers. Never wanted a son, man. I got a grandson. That's good enough for me. So seven fights, seven cares on a 14-care fight, 500, treading water, even, not paying, watching it. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I wish I could see, look, you know, you know what, you know what could happen Wednesday that would change my take? A hundred percent. You booked that in Ghana. I'm an easy mark, man. You booked that in Ghana Jones fight, and I'm like, here's my money. Here's like that. Some of that that meme where they're the uh, the what is the the baboon is just throwing cash, throwing cash, dressed in a suit, just throwing cash. That's me. But until then, it's like you know. Yeah. 
And, and the reality of it is, understand this, when Paul fights somebody who actually can beat him and he beats him, what do we see? We saw a guy who's got an iPhone and a gift of gab who's got a million people who follow him on fucking YouTube, you know, get proven that he's not a real fighter. What? Oh. oh, man. Anyway, go to eugenetrobinson.substack.com. Read the new newsletter, the interview with Jim Goad. Um, I think you might dig it, um, especially those of you who are more right-leaning in your sentiments, because Goad has been, a, uh, uh, in my mind, a sometimes voice of reason. I know Maddie. Maddie hates him, but I didn't want to talk about. Uh, I don't want to talk about the reasons why he might be hate-worthy. The guy's always been nice to me, and you've heard me say that about other people before. And he he echoes that back at me. So anyway, uh, this is the end of the show. The kid is sleeping clearly now at this point, so I, I'm not going to holler. Uh, but uh, let's hope we all live to see each other next Sunday. The generates that we are. Watch the fight on Saturday. I made my pick. I didn't want to. In my mind's eye, I see Masvidal actually pulling out a win. But uh, but I but I picked Usman because I just uh, because I think that uh, I think Masvidal the the paycheck doesn't change for him. We still want to see him fight Nick or Nate again. There's all this talk about how great the, the um, Nick is looking. He's golden until he retires. The sport, man. The sport, the sport, the sport. Anyway, this is round one, six, a one. Eugene Robinson, show stomper. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Try to live until next week. I think I'm going to get a haircut this week because this is uh, is ridiculous. Anyway, look what you made me do.